0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. Well, you just heard the big news in Bob's News. You've heard about the six-year sentence for Constable James Fursillo. Now, one of the key questions surrounding the case is... Should there be a different standard for police officers when they cross the line? The judge answered with a resounding no. So what effect will this sentence have on the men and women who patrol the streets daily? What impact will it have on relations between the police and the community? The case is also a watershed in the use of video evidence shot by a civilian. The judge is calling that video powerful evidence that... Constable Forcillo's version of events about the shooting death of Samia Team was inaccurate. Now we want to know what you think. The numbers once again, three six zero zero seven forty. That's a four one six number and toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. I'm here with security expert and former Toronto police officer Ross McLean. Hi, Ross. Welcome.
2: Oh, good to be with you on this rather historic day, actually, uh, for policing, I think.
1: Okay, and what do you think uh, the ramifications of this will be?
2: Well, th- they'll be yet to play out. I-, I think I can say safely, though, for everybody that this is a dark day. I don't think uh, how the police will be feeling about this. They're not going to be happy about it. And I'm not saying they're not going to be happy because they they feel everything was justified or good. You know, I've talked to many police officers. I've been a police officer myself, and... Uh, I don't think you could find 100,000 – roll that thing over 100,000 times with 100,000 different police officers and you wouldn't have that same result as what happened with Officer Fis- Forcillo doing the shooting. I don't think most officers or hardly any officers would react that way, but they feel bad. I mean it's uh, – there's somebody going down for six years. There's somebody who's dead you know, and there's the family that's grieving and uh, they're trying to find the right way to uh, figure this out.
1: Okay, so I'm trying to square that circle. You're saying most officers would not have reacted the way that Forcillo reacted. So uh, why are they then upset about the sentence?
2: Well, I I think because the issue is, and you're going to see this on the grounds for appeal that the uh, defense lawyer has put through on this. They're saying, look, this isn't just someone who went out and tried to kill someone or did something. You have to take into consideration this is a police officer who's been trained who's carrying a gun for the uh, for the state who's told to use the gun for the state and he was brought to that call to go make a decision to go do something this isn't just some guy for you know police officers come up against these situations all the time in the course of their career and sorry
1: know- but doesn't that make them have to uh, adhere to a higher standard?
2: Absolutely it does and they do. I was just going to say most citizens if they run into a situation where they have to use force because someone's attacking their family or doing something, I mean that's extremely rare and what judgment would you use there? So I, I, one of the things that I think that this points out is I think the criminal code needs to have some new sections added to it that specifically deal with offenses by police officers, whether they're, it's the murder, assaults, those sort of things that it can be taken in in line with they're doing their duty, they're doing their work, and then on the far end, give the judge the discretion as to what the sentencing will be. You heard the judge say here, hey, it's five years minimum. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm not buying your argument. So he's getting the minimum five years, and he upped that to six.
1: Well, I think the fact that he upped it to six uh, kind of shows his hand that it, he wasn't if, – if it was just a matter that he was forced to do this, he would have given the minimum, Right.
2: No, listen, I, I'm not saying you're wrong on that. In fact, you know, I listened to uh, uh, many of the judge's comments that he came out with here, and he was very, very harsh. He took a very hard line with his interpretation of the verdict. Remember, it was a jury that convicted Officer forsillo They don't have to give reasons for, the, uh, for why they convicted him. They convicted him. The judge, though, for sentencing has to give his reasons for why he's going to impose a sentence on what the jury did. And he took a very, very hard line that Officer Frasillo shouldn't have fired any of those shots. He didn't follow his training, and he did not buy anything that he was saying, and he did harm to the police reputation. And I'll I'll tell you, quite honestly, I don't disagree with any of the judge's comments on that.
1: You know, uh, I think uh, most of us agree that most police officers do a great job, a very difficult job. But... Uh, also, that there are probably some people who should not be police officers either because you know they, the stress or because uh, they're, they have violent tendencies themselves. So So again, if if you're saying that you agree with the judge's reasoning and that this guy was you know way over the line, uh, why then um, your issue with the sentence? Uh, he should have had some mitigation because he's a police officer?
2: Well, there's going to be arguments uh, for that. You know, but back to your point right there, though, about uh, the officers and what should have been done before. And, and I've said this before, and I've talked to uh, a couple of sergeants on the job the last little while over about this, asking them if they have enough time to be able to deal with officers who need to have a course correction when it's pretty clear. You know Their attitude is bad or their actions aren't great. Are they able to do it? And they say there's not really a whole lot of time for them to be able to do it these days. For what doing do you mean a whole
1: lot of time?
2: Well, it's just that the nature of the job. You're going from call to call to call to call doing things. And I think what I've said to them is I really think that the sergeants and the supervisors need to be taking a stronger hand in making sure that they do have the right people on, particularly during those first five years of probation, because you can be let go in those first five years, and Constable Frisillo was only on for three years as an officer.
1: Yeah, I mean, but I still don't get that somehow when your job is to manage people in any situation, let alone something as critical as the police, that you can say, I'm a manager, but I don't have time to manage these people. So that, Sorry, I don't accept that.
2: Yeah, well, I don't either. That's why I brought the point up with them, And I asked them these questions about it, if you have the time to discipline the people. But, look, I think one of the more interesting things that's going to happen today is whether or not uh, Officer Fusillo gets bail pending his hearing. They're they're applying for it. They're certainly appealing. And they've got a couple of good grounds, uh, I think, uh, to appeal on. Now, will the courts allow him to be out while that appeal is heard? Or are they going to ask him to go to jail? I mean, he's in handcuffs right now and presumably in a cell right now. In
1: protective custody.
2: Well, he would be. be, be,
1: Yeah, because he's a police officer.
2: Which is just another one of the reasons on the range of sentencing, if the judge had an ability to sentence him to some other place where it's easier for the police officer to be protected. I mean, it just just is a little different. And I don't think when people put together the criminal code and, and the murder statutes, it ever occurred to them that they'd be talking about a police officer doing it and does it apply that way?
1: Okay, um, let's take a call. We've got Jerry in Toronto. And Jerry, you're a former police officer.
3: Yes, I I am. I was a police officer in the military and then I came out on the Toronto Police Department back in the mid-60s into the mid-70s.
1: And uh, what's your view on this?
3: I don't think the penalty was harsh enough, to be very honest with you. Uh, I I look at the situation from what I I read about it. It's obviously the young man was no threat to anybody but himself because he let everybody off the streetcar. So my question is, I thought, now how would have I handled this back in those years? And it would have been very simple. I have a nightstick, not the size of the ones they have today. I just had a 12-inch one. I would have went in and I would have said, son, got to put the knife up or else things are going to happen. If he failed to put the knife up, I would have cracked him on the wrist or on the shoulder, probably broken it, arrested him, and he would have been alive. Why didn't the officer use his nightstick is my first question, which he's trained to use. And my second question would be, why wasn't every other police officer on that scene charged as a correspondent? And if Officer Facilla was too afraid to confront the man, which he's, which he's paid to do with a nightstick, why didn't
1: he wait for the team to come with the tasers? Uh, Ross, do you have a response?
2: Yeah, it's Jerry. Is it? Yep. Yeah, yeah Jer- Jerry raises some excellent points, and you know the the, the deal with use of force. And uh, I, I absolutely agree with him that other officers, like he, like he said, he would have himself. He would have taken out his nightstick, and he would have gone to take the knife off of him. And you have other officers there who certainly have their weapons to defend them. Uh, in my day, Jerry, I we had the Tonfa stick, which was a uh, I felt incredibly uh, strong using that. I actually had a guy with a knife one time, and I showed him that and whipped it at him once, and I said, you can drop the knife or you're going to get this, and he dropped the knife. So there are, as I just said at the top, lots of officers would have dealt with this correctly. This officer did not. You know, he has been charged for it, and it has now he's getting sentenced for it. So okay. I, I agree with him. And
3: that's the way that, that it should be. And, uh, you know, there was other things there. Apparently there was uh, a couple of sergeants ended up on the scene from the reports I read. I don't know whether it's true or not. And they actually tasered the man when he was down after he'd been shot several times. Is that not a little excessive use of force? Why weren't these sergeants charged?
2: Well, that's a question for the Police Act and for Chief Saunders to deal uh, with.
3: Well, no it's, a, no, it's actually it's a question it's for the Crown. That's a criminal act. Um,
2: well, but, well, it would have been the SIU that would have suggested that because the SIU was investigating it, and I guess they felt that it didn't warrant that. But look, I mean, to his issue, there, there's one other thing I would have liked to have seen at that time. You know, you watch the video, and this video was crucial to this whole case. I mean, this video oh, yeah. was shocking. The, the audio yep. was shocking.
1: I mean, I yep. think I think that to me, um, in terms of, you know, going forward for the future, I think the use of a civilian video, I mean, I think that is a, a big Game changer. Uh, I don't know if you've talked, uh, Ross, to police officers about. Are they thinking about that? Do they have views on that? Because I think it just changes the whole game.
2: Well, it does. And, and the police officers have changed as more and more of these cell phone videos have come out. And now they basically treat themselves as if they're being videotaped everywhere. And most officers, that's wise. Yeah, and most officers I've talked to have said they really don't object to the body cameras. They said they're going to they're going to save me most of the time because they do their job correctly. It'll prove that I handled the force and I did it at the correct time. So most police officers really don't have a problem with it.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, people are talking about this sentence as a deterrent, uh, but I would think that the the video aspect of that uh, is in itself a deterrent, though I guess it depends what generation they are because younger people – don't necessarily register the fact that that they're on video and it's going to be around forever.
2: It is. It's tough when someone takes a a video of you doing something wrong and it makes the rounds and it does something. But, look, in in this case, I think that the video helped. I think it helped bring justice. There was numerous videos there. I think this judge uh, did a heck of a job trying to deal with the jury's verdict on an attempt murder and then trying to impose the correct sentence. I really have a lot of respect for the way that the judge handled this. I would just like to see in the future that the judge's have a different set of charges that they can look at with a better range of what they're able to do.
1: Okay, Jerry, uh, thanks a lot for your call. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got Ida in Mississauga. Hi, Ida. Hi, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? Oh, not too bad. A little pissed. Uh, Okay,
4: language. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What are you thinking, Ida? That's not a bad word. You know... In the past week, a woman suggested that, um, you know, why don't the police maim the person, the victim, as opposed to killing them? Well, just stop and think about this. And I would like all your listeners to do that, that if it was a member of your family, how would you feel? You know, we, we take the so... Uh, in my estimation, we take this so lightly, and I'm sorry, he committed murder, and he gets six years. If I went next door and shot my neighbor, I'd be in prison forever.
2: You know, this, and this listener raises a great point. It's a point I'm trying to come to, and I'm sort of struggling with this myself, uh, Libby, but it's like I said, this is a police officer going someplace, and in this place he made egregious mistakes. Make no mistake about it. But it's almost like when you hear these charges that come up against fathers who, who who maybe kill their children because they're suffering from a disease, or you know these strange cases that come up where you have sort of empathy for why it took place and it doesn't really fit a cold blooded murderer sort of thing. It just
1: well, I mean, if it, if murder is not premeditated, that takes a whole bunch of years off the sentence in every case, right?
2: A- absolutely, premeditation is everything in this case.
4: Yeah. Yes. However, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, if I may interject here, um, six years for killing someone that was like down and not. Um, yeah, but he was doing the officer. Yeah, don't forget,
1: Ida, he was acquitted of the murder charge. This is an I attempted murder charge, and that that might be the source. And a lot of people thought that that charge was was fairly weird. I'm yeah. not a lawyer or a police officer, so I can't yeah. say but but he was not convicted of murder. So
2: And that's what sort of, if you will, handcuffed the judge and when he was giving out this sentence because he could not. He could not Uh, go down the road of that he was giving him a murder sentence because he was not convicted of that. He would lose on appeal if they did that. I mean, if he did that, the police would like it. But here's another interesting thing. I read over the grounds for appeal that the police are filing, or the I'm sorry, the defense for officer Forsilla And may I
1: just interject that that Forsilla will apply for bail on the grounds of appeal at 2.30 this afternoon. But please go ahead, Ross. Yes,
2: absolutely. So one of the things that's interesting, though, we can get into the grounds if we have time a little bit later what they're appealing for, but one of the things they're asking for is an acquittal or a new trial. And if the new trial means they're putting him back up and exposing him to a murder conviction possibly so this is a big roll of the dice if they if they get a new trial he could conceivably get convicted on the second time around of uh, murder instead of attempt murder and then
4: well, my like, understanding oh. excuse me my understanding is that it was attempted murder
1: yeah that's the con- that's what he was convicted yes. of convicted of yes Okay, Ida, thank you very much for your call. Okay, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, we're going to have a lot more on this, uh, but we have to take a quick break right now. Before we go to break, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, and we will be back with more on the sentence for Constable James Forcillo after this.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. I'm here with security expert and former police officer Ross McLean. We're talking about the sentence just handed down to Constable James Forcillo. We're going to go right to the lines and uh, we are going to talk to Henry and Hamilton. Hi, Henry. Hello, Libby.
4: How are you? Good. Libby, first of all, Mazel Toe, the way you're running your program, and that you have survived pancreatic cancer.
1: Thank you very much.
4: Okay. Now, my observation is that the officer was was really, I would say an immature officer, probably somewhat of a bully. And you often wonder, aren't the police officers trained in in hand-to-hand combat? He had six, he had a number of other, other officers right behind him when he shot this poor fellow. And he was so far away, the guy couldn't have jumped out of the streetcar and attacked him. And, that is my, and if he got six years, he probably could be out in four years.
1: Um, do you know what the parole would be for a six year sentence, Ross?
2: Well, I think if you, you'll do about two thirds of it. Okay. If, if you're good behavior and those sort of things and there's reasons to reduce it. So he'd be a bit of two-thirds of that before yeah. you're eligible for parole. But, you know, it's it's interesting when you, you know, I, I drove by the scene where the shooting took place on my way coming here today. And when the shooting took place, I went to the scene. And as soon as the police took the tape down, the streetcar was still there. And I went and I stood in the exact same spot that uh, Officer Forcilla stood in. And I looked into the streetcar to see what his view was and what he was able to do. And based on that and looking at the videos after, you know, I'm certainly convinced that the actions that he took were were not the ones that most officers would have taken. You know, and the one thing I would have wished if there was a more senior officer there, there was like 20 officers there. When they saw that he was stuck in that, the way it was going, someone should have grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, pulled him out of there and gone in and assumed control of it and helped save him from himself. Because this officer, you know, his judgment here has turned into uh, he's paying the price for it. Well, we'll see if he pays the price for it. The appeal is coming up.
1: Okay. Uh, Henry, thanks for your call.
5: You're very welcome. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. We've got Colin in Toronto. Hi, Colin. Hi. How are you doing today? Fine. How are you?
5: Excellent. Thanks. Um, The single charge and conviction of attempted murder should bring into question the competency of the jury and the judge. Um, How can you, uh, you know, he kept on shooting while the person was down. He should be also charged with manslaughter as well as attempted murder. Any judge who doesn't include manslaughter in this should be should be investigated.
2: Well, manslaughter is an included charge of murder and he was acquitted of that. And so they did not see that that was one that they would convict him of. They only convicted him of the attempt murder. But the one point this person raises is one of the grounds of appeal is the, uh, the defense is saying, okay, you've got him charged with attempt murder and with murder. You're saying they're two separate instances and you're telling the jury they can convict on this. And they're saying the judge is wrong. They're one instance. You, if you're not guilty of murder, then you can't be guilty of attempted murder. And so that's one of their grounds for appeal. They're saying that it's wrong that the way those things were separated.
5: So, so manslaughter is, is not a separate charge other than murder?
2: It's included. So it, if, if include, you. Oh, well, do
5: yeah. you see that? That's, that, should, that should be. So you're addressed. saying
1: they could have convicted him right. of manslaughter even if he was charged with second degree. That's
5: right, right. That's, that should be not included
1: or well or you're saying he should have been convicted of that and not of attempted murder
5: because they're in two entirely different things
2: you, you, well, s- you see what the struggle is here Libby the charge
1: but doesn't seem
2: to fit what the what the uh, what the uh, crime is here or the actions were yeah, that's we why we need a... something to fit
1: okay yeah but the, that's that was the decision of a jury of his peers that's our system
2: that's our system, and I think they need to say, "Look at maybe there should be other charges for police officers when they are when they convict uh, when they do uh, criminal offenses."
1: Okay, uh, we only have about thirty seconds left, uh, so thanks for your call, Colin. Okay. Thank you. Okay, and uh, Margaret in Thornhill, uh, thirty seconds. You have the last word today. Hello.
6: Oh, uh, hi. Is hi. it for me, Margaret? Yes,
1: Margaret. Oh, yeah. Hi. How are you, the, Libby? Nice fine. talking to you. Okay, you've got 30 seconds. You have the last oh, okay. word. Okay,
6: I'll go fast. Uh, the thing is, is, in a situation of this kind, where a policeman is uh, battling uh, another, uh, this fellow that had the um, weapon on him, uh, the knife, the policeman should have talked to him in a very compassionate and a kind manner. Perhaps this would never have happened but he should not have used a deadly weapon like a gun to shoot him. You don't go shooting people to restrain somebody. And I and, think and you're, right. in,
2: caller, you're absolutely right, and that you're echoing exactly what the of judge said. I'm right. The why judge, why don't
6: you follow the rules like in England? The policemen are very gentle and very kind, and he might have had some kind of problems. He might have had psychiatric he, problems He, had, he definitely, like
1: definitely had problems, Margaret. Of course, I've... he did. So you
6: talk to them kindly. Be kind, patient, compassionate. This would never have happened. He would have released his weapon, and everything would have been fine. And you could have talked to him, perhaps put him in a psychiatric place where he could have Had some kind of help, okay. Margaret, go shooting him, you don't go shooting people. Yep, Margaret, thanks a lot. Me? Margaret, that's fine. Thanks what? a lot for your call. Thanks a lot, Libby. Nice hearing from you. I like nice okay. talking to you. Bye, nice everybody. Nice talking to you. Keep okay, bye bye.
1: Okay, well, I think uh, there is a big consensus certainly among our listeners uh, that uh, the sentence was not harsh enough. Uh, Ross McLean, a security expert, former police officer, you're saying that. Uh, you think we need a separate set of guidelines for police officers when they get into trouble, but you also agree that he did not act correctly.
2: That's it. This is, this is a twisted one. And I just want to say, you know, uh, the system worked here and that they got a conviction for it. The SIU did their job. And I said, this movement, th- these actions by this officer were an aberration. You know, most policemen would handle the situation much, much better.
1: Okay. Ross McLean, thank you so much.